0: 1955 by Alice Walker 1955 The car is a brand new red Thunderbird convertible and it's passed the house more than once. It slows down now and stops on the curb. An older gentleman, dressed like a Baptist deacon, gets out on the side near the house and a young fellow who looks about 16 gets out of the driver's side. They are white and I wonder what in the world they're doing in this neighborhood. Well, I say to J.T., put your shirt on anyway, and let me clean these glasses off the table. We had been watching the ball game on TV. I wasn't actually watching. I was sort of daydreaming with my foot up on J.T.'s lap. I seen them coming on up the walk, brisk like they coming to sell something. And then they rung the bell, and J.T. declined to put on a shirt, but instead disappeared into the bedroom where the other tip television is. I turned down the one in the living room. I figured I'd be rid of these two double quick and Jake T. could come back out again. Are you Gracie May? still? asked the old guy when I opened the door and put my hand on the lock inside the screen. And I don't need to buy a thing, said I. What makes you think we're selling, he asks, in that hearty southern way that makes my eyeballs ache. Well, one way or another, and they're inside the house, and the first thing the yellow fella, the young fella does is raise the, the TV a couple of decibels. He's about five feet nine, sort of womanish looking, with real dark white skin and a red patty mouth. His hair is black and curly, and he looks like a Louisiana. Anna creole about one of your songs says the deacon he is maybe 60 with white hair and beard white silk shirt black linen suit black tie and black shoes his cold gray eyes look like they're sweating one of my songs trainer here just loves your songs don't you trainer he nudges trainer with his elbow trainer blinks says something I can't catch in a pitch. I don't register. The boy learned to sing and dance living around you people. One out in the country practically cut his teeth on you. The trainer looks up at me and bites his thumbnail. I laugh. Well, one way or another, they leave with my agreement that they can record one of my songs. The deacon writes me a check for five hundred dollars. The boy grunts his awareness of the transaction and I am laughing all over myself by the time I join JT. Just as I'm snuggling down beside him though I hear the front door bell going off again. Forget his hat? asks JT. I hope not I say. The deacon stands there leaning on the doorframe, and once again, I'm thinking of those sweaty looking eyeballs of his. I wonder if sweat makes your eyeballs pink, because his are sure pink, pink and gray, and it strikes me that nobody I'd care to know is behind them. I forget one little thing, he says pleasantly. I forgot to tell you, trainer and I would like to buy up all of those records you made of the song. I tell you, we sure do love it. Well, love it or not, I'm not so stupid as to let them do what they do that without making them pay. So I says, well, that's going to cost you. Because really, that song never did sell all that good. So I was glad they was going to buy it up. But on the other hand, them two listening to my song by themselves and nobody else getting to hear me sing it give me a pause well one way or another the deacon showed me where I would come out ahead on any deal he had proposed so far didn't I give you five hundred dollars he asks what white man and don't even need to mention colored would give you more we buy up all your records of that particular song first you get royalties let me ask you how much you sell that song for in the first place fifty dollars a hundred i say and no royalties from it yet right right well we buy up all them records you're gonna get royalties and that's gonna make all them race record shops sit up and take notice of gracie may still And they gonna push all them other records of yours they got. And you no doubt will become one of the big name colored recording artists. And then we can offer you another $500 for letting us do all this for you. And by God, you'll be sitting pretty. You can go out and buy you the kind of outfit a star should have. Plenty sequins in yards of red satin. I had done unlock the screen when I saw I could get some more money out of him. Now I held it wide open while he squeezed through the opening between me and the door. He whipped out another piece of paper and I signed it. He sort of trotted out to the car and slid in beside Traynor, whose head was back against the seat. They swung around in a U-turn in front of the house, and then they was gone. J.T. was putting his shirt on when I got back into the bedroom. "'Yankees beat the Orioles ten to six, he said. "'I believe I'll drive out to Paschal's Pond and go fishing. Want to go?' While I was putting on my pants, J.T. was holding the two checks. "'I'm real proud of a woman that can make cash money without leaving home,' he said." And I said, hmm, because we met on the road with me singing in first one little lowlife joke after another, making $10 a night for myself. I was lucky and sometimes bringing home nothing but my life. And JT just loved them times. The way I was fast and flashy and always on the go from one town to another. He... Love the way my singing made the dirt farmers cry like babies and the women shout, honey hush but that spins they loves any style to which you can get them accustomed 1956 my little grandbaby called me one night on the phone little mama little mama there's a white man on the television singing one of your songs turn on channel five lord it was trainer still looking half asleep from the neck up but kind of awake in a nasty way from the waist down. He wasn't doing too bad with my song either, but it wasn't just the song the people in the audience were screeching and screaming over. It was the nasty little jerk he was doing from the waist down. Well, Lord have mercy, I said, listening to him. If I'd have closed my eyes, it could have been me. He had followed every turning of my voice, side streets, avenues, red lights, train crossings and all. It gave me a chill. Everywhere I went, I heard trainers singing my song and all the little white girls just eating it up. I never had so many ponytails switched across my line of vision in my life. They were so proud. He was a genius. Well, all that year, I was trying to lose weight, anyway. And that and high blood pressure and sugar kept me pretty well occupied. Trainer had made a smash from a song of mine. I still had $700 of the original $1,000 in the bank. And I felt if I could just bring my weight down, life would be sweet. 1957. I lost 10 pounds in 1956. That's what I give myself for Christmas. And JT and me and the children and their friends and grandkids, of all descriptions, had just finished dinner, over which I had put on nine and a half of those lost ten, when who should appear at the front door but Trainer? Little Mama, Little Mama, it's that white man who sings. The children didn't call it my song anymore. Nobody did. It was funny how that happened. Trainer and the deacon had brought up all my records, true, but on his record he had put written by Greasy Miss Still. But that was just another name on the label, like produced by Apex Records. On the TV, he was inclined to dress like the deacon told him, but now he looked presentable. Merry Christmas, said he. "'and same to you, son.' "'I don't know why I called him son. "'Well, one way or another, they're all our sons. "'The only requirement is that they be younger than us.' "'But then again, trainers seemed to be aging by the minute. "'You looks tired,' I said. "'Come on in and have a glass of Christmas cheer.' J.T. ain't never in his life been able to act decent to a white man he wasn't working for, but he poured Trainer a glass of bourbon and water. Then he took all the children and grandkids and friends and what not out to the den. After a while, I heard Trainer's voice singing the song coming from the stereo console. It was just the kind of Christmas present my kids would consider cute. I looked at Trainer, complicit, but he looked like he was the last thing in the world he wanted to hear. His head was pitched forward over his lap, his hands holding his glass and his elbows on his knees. I done some sung that song, seemed like a million times this year, he said. I sung it on the Grand Ole Opry. I sung it on the Ed Sullivan Show. I sung it on the Mike Douglas. I sung it on the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl. I sung it at festivals. I sung it at fairs. I sung it overseas, in Rome, Italy, and once in a submarine under seas. I've sung it and sung it, and I'm making $40,000 a day off it. And you know what? I haven't, I don't have the faintest notion what that song means. What you mean? What do it mean? It mean what it says. All I could think was... These suckers is making $40,000 a day off my song and now are they going to come back and try to swindle me out of the original thousand? It's just a song, I say, KG. When you fool around with a lot of no-count men, you sing a bunch of them. I shrugged. Oh, he said, well, he started brightening up. I just come by to tell you. I think you're a real great singer. He didn't blush saying that. He just... It's straight out. And I brought you a little Christmas present, too. Now you take this little box and you hold it until I drive off. Then you take it outside, under the first streetlight, back up the street a ways, in front of that green house. Then you open the box and see... "'Well, just see.' "'What had come over this boy?' "'I wondered, holding the box. "'I looked out the window in time "'to see another white man come up "'and get in the car with him, "'and then two more cars full of white men start out behind him. "'They was all in black cars "'that looked like a funeral procession. "'Little Mama, Little Mama, what is it?' "'One of my little grandkids came running up "'and started pulling at the box.' It was wrapped up in gay Christmas paper, the thick rich kind that's hard to picture folks making just to throw away. J.T. and the rest of the crowd followed me out of the house, up the street to the street light, and in front of the greenhouse. Nothing was there but somebody's gold grilled white Cadillac, brand new and most distracting. We got to looking at it so till I almost forgot about the little box in my hand. While the others were busy making moration, I carefully took took off the paper and ribbon and folded them up and put them in my pants pocket. What should I see but a pair of genuine, solid gold caddy keys. Dangling the keys in front of everybody's nose, I unlocked the caddy, motioned for JT to get in the other side, and us didn't come back home for two days. 1960 well the boy was sure enough famous by now he was still a much shy and 20 but already they was calling him the emperor of rock and roll then what should happen but the draft well says JT there goes all this emperor of rock and roll business but even in the army the women's was on him like white on rice we watched it on the news Dear Gracie Mae, he wrote from Germany. How you. Fine, I hope, as this leaves me doing real well. Before I come in the army, I was gaining a lot of weight and getting jittery from making all those dumb movies. But now I exercise and eat right and get plenty of rest. I'm more awake than I've been in ten years. I wonder if you are writing any more songs. Sincerely, Trainer. I wrote him back. Dear son, we is all fine in the Lord's good grace and hope this finds you the same. JT and me be out all times of the day and night in that car you give me, which you know you didn't have to do. Oh, and I do appreciate the mink and the new self-cleaning oven. But if you send any more stuff to eat from Germany, I'm going to have to open up a store in the neighborhood just to get rid of it. Really, we have more than enough of everything. The Lord is good to us, and we don't know want. Glad to hear you as well, and getting your right rest. There ain't nothing like exercising to help that along. JT and me work some part of every day that we don't go fishing in the garden. Well, so long, soldier. Sincerely, Gracie May. He wrote, Dear Gracie May, I hope you and J.T. like the automatic power tiller I had one of the stores back home send you. I went through a mountain of catalogs looking for it. I wanted something that even a woman could use. I've been thinking about writing some songs of my own, but every time I finish one, It don't seem to be about nothing. I've actually lived myself. My agents keep sending me other people's songs, but they just sound moony. I can hardly get through them without gagging. Everybody still loves that song of yours. They tell me all the time what do I think it means, really. I mean, they want to know just what I want to know. Where out of your life did it come from? Sincerely, Trainer. 1968, I didn't see the boy for seven years, no, eight, because just about everybody was dead when I saw him again, Malcolm X, King, the president and his brother, and even JT. JT died of a head cold, it just settled in his head like a block of ice, he said, and nothing he did moved it, until one day, he just leaned out of the bed and died. His good friend Horace helped me put him away, and then about a year later Horace and me started going together. We was sitting out on the front swing one summer night, dusk dark, and I saw this great procession of lights winding to a stop. Holy Toledo, said Horace. He's got a real sexy voice like Ray Charles. Look at it. He meant the long line of flashy cars and the white men in white summer suits "'Jumping out on the driver's side and standing at attention. "'With wings they could pass for angels. "'With hoods they could be the clan. "'Trainers come come waddling up the walk, "'and suddenly I know what it is he could pass for. "'An Arab, like the ones you see in storybooks, "'plump and soft and with never a care about weight. "'Because with so much money, who cares?' trainer is almost dressed like someone from a storybook too he has on i swear about 10 necklaces two sets of bracelets on his arms at least one ring on every finger and some kind of shining buckles on his shoes so that when he walks you get quite a few twinkling lights gracie may he says coming up to give me a hug jt I explain that JT passed, that this is Horace. Horace, he says, puzzled but polite, sort of rocking back on his heels. Horace. That's it for Horace. He goes in the house and don't come back. Looks like you and me has gained a few, I say. He laughs, the first time I ever heard him laugh. It don't sound like a laugh, and I can't swear that it's better than no laugh at all. He's getting fat for sure, but he's still slim compared to me. I'll never see 300 pounds again. And I'm just about said, excuse me, but I've just about said, fuck it. I got a thinking about it one day. And I thought aside from the fact that they say it's unhealthy. My fat ain't never been no trouble. Men's always loved, have loved me. My kids ain't never complained. Plus they're fat. "'In fact, like I is, I looks distinguished. "'You see me comin' and know somebody's there. "'Gracie May, he says, "'I've come with a personal invitation to you "'to my house tomorrow for dinner.' "'He laughed. "'What did it sound like? "'I couldn't place it. "'Seems them men out there,' he asked me. "'I'm sick and tired of eating with them. "'They don't never have nothing to talk about.' That's why I eat so much. But if you come to dinner tomorrow, we can talk about the old days. You can tell me about that farm I bought you. I sold it, I said. You did? Yeah, I said. I did. Just because I like to exercise by working in a garden don't mean I want 500 acres. Anyway, I'm a city girl now. Raised in the country, it's true. Dirt poor, the whole bit. But that's all behind me now. Oh, well, he said, I didn't mean to offend you. He sat a few minutes listening to the crickets. Then he said, you wrote that song Well, you was still on the farm, didn't you? Or was it right after you left? You had somebody spying on me, I asked. You and Bessie Smith got into a fight over it once, he said. You is been spying on me, but I don't know what the fight was about he said just like I don't know what happened to your second husband your first one died in the Texas electric chair do you know that your third one beat you up stole your money stole your to- touring costumes and your car and retired with a chlorine t- Tuskegee he laughed he's still there I have been mad but suddenly I come down. Traynor was talking very dreamily. It was dark, but seems like I could tell his eyes weren't right. It was like something was sitting there talking to me, but not necessarily with a person behind it. You gave up on marrying and seemed happier for it. He laughed again. I married, but it never went like it was supposed to. I never could squeeze any of my own life, either into it or out of it. It was like singing somebody else's record. I copied the way it was supposed to be exactly, but I never had a clue what marriage meant. I bought her a diamond ring, big as your first. I bought her clothes. I built her a mansion, but right away she didn't want the boys to stay there. Said they smoked up the bottom floor. Hell, there were five floors. No need to grieve, I said. No need to. Plenty more where she came from. He perked up. That part of what that song means, ain't it? No need to to, to grieve. Whatever it is, there's plenty more down the line. I never really believed that way back when I wrote that song, I said. It was all bluffing then. The trick is to live long enough to put your young bluffs to use. Now, if I was to sing that song today, I'd tear it up. Because I'd done lived long enough to know it's true. Them words could hold me up. I ain't lived that long, he said. Look like you on your way, I said. I don't know why, but that boy seems to need some encouraging and I don't know. Seems like one way or another. You talk to rich white folks and you end up reassuring them. But what the hell? By now, I feel some but something for the boy. I wouldn't be in his bed all along in the middle of the night for nothing. Couldn't be nothing worse than being famous the world over for something you don't even understand. That's what I tried to tell Bessie. She wanted that same song overheard me practicing it one day said with her hands on her hips gracie may i'ma sing your song tonight i likes it your lips be too swole to sing i said she was mean and she was strong but i trounced her ain't you famous enough with your own stuff i said leave mine alone later on she thanked me By then, she was Miss Bessie Smith to the world, and I was still Miss Gracie May Nobody from Not-So-Gall. The next day, all those limousines arrived to pick me up, five cars and twelve bodyguards. Horace picked that morning to start painting the kitchen. Don't paint the kitchen, fool, I said. The only reason that dumb boy of ours is going to show me his mansion is because he intends to present us with a new house. What you gonna do with it? He asks me, standing there in his shirt sleeves, stirring the paint. Sell it. Give it to the children. Live in it on weekends. It don't matter what I do. He sure don't care. Horace just stood there, shaking his head. head. Mama, you sure looks good, he says. Wake me up when you get back, fool, I say, and pat my wig in front of the mirror. The boy's house is something else. First you come to this mountain, and then you commence to drive and drive up this road that's lined with magnolias. Do magnolias grow on mountains, I was wondering, and you come to lakes and you come to ponds and you come to deer and you come up on some sheep, and I figure these two is supposed to represent England or Wales or something out of Europe, and you just keep on coming to stuff and it's all pretty only the man driving my car don't look at nothing but the road fool and then finally, after all this time, you begin to go up the driveway and there's more magnolias only they're not in such good shape it's sort of cool up this high and I don't think they're going to make it and then I see this building that looks like it had a name it would be the Tara Hotel columns and steps and outdoor chandeliers and rocking chairs rocking chairs well and there's the boy on the steps dressed in a dark green satin jacket like you see folks wearing on tv late at night and he looks out sort of like a fat dracula with all that house rising behind him and standing beside him there's this little white version of loveliness that he introduces as his wife he's nervous when he introduces us and he says to her this is gracie may still i want you to know me i mean and she gives him a look that would fry meat won't you come in gracie may she says and that's the last i see of her he fishes around for something to say and to do and decides to escort me to the kitchen. We go through the entry in the parlor and the breakfast room, in the dining room, in the servants' passages, passage and finally get there. The first thing I notice is that altogether there are five stoves. He looks about the to introduce me to one. Wait a minute, I say. Kitchens don't do nothing for me. Let's go sit on the front porch. Well... We hike back, and we sit in the rocking chairs, rocking until dinner. Gracie Mae, he says, down the table, taking a piece of fried chicken from the woman standing over him. I got a little surprise for you. It's a house, ain't it? I ask, sparing a chitlin'. You're getting spoiled, he says, and the way he says spoiled sounds funny. He slurs it. It sounds like his tongue is too thick for his mouth, but that quick he's finished the chicken and is now eating chitlins and a pork chop me spoiled i'm thinking i already got a house horace is right this minute painting the kitchen i bought that house my kids feel comfortable in that house but this one i bought you is just like mine only a little smaller i still don't need no house in any way who would clean it he looks surprised Really? I think some people advance so slowly. I hadn't thought of that. But what the hell? I'll give you somebody to live in. I don't want other folks living around me. It makes me nervous. You don't? It do. What I want to wake up and what I want to wake up and see folks I don't even know for. He just sits there down table staring at me. Some of that feeling is in the song, ain't it? Not the words, the feeling. What I want to wake up and see, folks, I don't even know for. But I see 20 folks a day I don't even know, including my wife. This food wouldn't be bad to wake up to, though, I said. And the boy had found the genius of cornbread. He looked at me real hard. He said, short. They want what you got, but they don't want you. They want what I got, only it ain't mine. That's what makes them so hungry for me when I sing. They getting the flavor of something, but they ain't getting the thing itself. They like a pack of hound dogs trying to gobble up a scent. You talking about your fans? Right. Right, he says. Don't worry about your fans, I say. They don't know their asses from a hole in the ground. I doubt there's an honest one in the bunch. That's the point. Damn it, that's the point. He hits the table with his fist. It's too solid, it don't even quiver. You need an honest audience. You can't have folks that's just gonna lie right back to you. Yeah, I say. It was small compared to yours, but I had one. It would have been worth my life to try to sing. Sing him something. Somebody else's stuff that I didn't even know nothing about. He must have pressed a buzzer under the table. One of his flunky zombies on. Get Johnny Carson, he says. On the phone? Asks the the zombie on the phone says trainer what you think i mean get him off the front porch move your ass so two weeks later we're on the johnny carson show trainer is all corseted down nice and looks a little bit fat but mostly good and all the women that grew up on him and my song squeal and squeal trainer says the lady who wrote my first hit is here with us tonight and she's agreeing to sing it for us all just like she's sung it four to five years ago ladies and gentlemen the great gracie may still well i had tried to lose a couple of pounds my own self but found that i had me a very big dress made so i sort of rolls up next to trainer who is dwarfed by me so that when he puts his arms around back of me try to hug me it looks funny to the audience and they laugh and I can see this pisses him off but I smile out there at him imagine squealing for 20 years and not knowing why you're squealing no more sense of endings and beginnings than hogs it don't matter son I say don't fret none over me I commence to sing and I sound wonderful Being able to sing good ain't all about having a good singing voice at all. A good singing voice helps, but when you come up in the hard-shell Baptist church like I did, you understand early that the fella that sings is the singer. Them's that waits for programs and arrangements and letters from home is just good voices occupying body space. So there I am. Singing my own song, my own way. And I give it all I got. And I enjoy every minute of it. When I finish, Trainer is standing up, clapping and clapping and beaming at first me and then the audience. Like I'm his mama for true. The audience claps politely for about two seconds. Trainer looks disgusted. He comes over and tries to hug me again. The audience laughs. Johnny Carson looks at us like we both weird. Trainer is mad as hell. He's supposed to sing something called a love ballad, but instead he takes the mic, turns to me, and says, Now see if my imitation still holds up. He goes into the same song, our song, I think looking out at his flaky audience, and he sings, It's just the way he always did. My voice, my tone, my inflection, everything. But he forgets a couple of lines. Even before he's finished, the matronly squeals begin. He sits down next to me, looking whipped. It don't matter, son, I say, patting his hand. You don't even know those people. Try to make the people you know happy. Is that in the song, he asks. Maybe, I say. 1977. For a few years, I hear from him, then nothing. But trying to lose weight takes all the attention I got to spare. I finally faced up to the fact that my fat is the hurt I don't admit, not even to myself, and I've, that I've been trying to bury it from the day I was born. But also, when you get real old, to tell the truth, it ain't as pleasant. It gets lumpy and slack. Yuck. So one day, I say to Horace, I'm gonna get this shit off of me. And he fell in with the program like he always tried to do. And Lord, such a procession of salad, salads and cottage cheese and fruit juice. One night, I dreamed Trainer had split up with his 15th wife. He said, you meet him for no reason, you date him for no reason, you marry him for no reason. I do it all, but I swear, it's just like somebody else doing it. I feel like I can't remember life. The boy's in trouble, they say to Horace. You've always said that, he said. I have? Yeah, you always said he looked asleep. You can't sleep through life if he just wants to live it. You're not such a fool after all, I say, pushing myself up with my cane and hobbling over to where he was. Let me sit down on your lap, I say, while this salad I ate takes effect. In the morning, we heard Trainer was dead. Some said fat, some said heart, some said alcohol, some said drugs. One of the children called from Detroit. Them dumb fans of his is on a crying rampage, she said. You just ought to turn on the TV. But I don't want to see them. They was crying and crying and didn't even know what they was crying for. One day, this is going to be a pitiful country, I thought. 1981.